Hello and welcome to the first episode of Pats. My name is Donal Gallery and our first guest is John O'Brien. John had a really interesting career as an actor. His second ever gig was Wojciech, directed by Sarah Kane, who became a close friend. And then he went on to do lots of really interesting work, including a TV show called Children of June with Susan Sarandon and James McAvoy. James McAvoy, he credits partially with inspiring him to leave acting, which he'll explain himself later. And we find him in the boardroom of the British Pharmacological Society, where Jono eventually became the CEO. At the end of the episode, I'll update you because he's had a slight change to his working circumstances since then. Enjoy. How's it going, Jono? Hey, Donal. It's fine. It's good. Thank you very much. Nice to see you. You too. Thanks so much for uh, for coming aboard this uh, this little experiment or yeah. whatever we're doing here. That's good. Because um, uh, I heard your story through a friend and was put in touch with you and, and it sounded like exactly the kind of stories we're, we're looking to hear okay. and uh, a really interesting one at that because you you're an unusual case in the sense that you you were doing really well or like you know you did stuff that people would say was very cool and would be kind of like markers along the way of like having a you know a kind of successful career right and then at a certain point you, you decided to change path and yeah. now you're a ceo of the british pharmacological society did i get it you did, it. You, you did it right, right. I, think you're the, I think you might be the first to get it right first time so yes <laughs> practice paid off that's that's all the research i did just said that over and over again so yeah so i'll just uh kind of want to hear your story and and then maybe we'll kind of delve into it as, as we go but I, i'd say let's just let's just go back to the beginning um how did you how did you first get into acting um so i think uh it's pretty much like everybody else i guess in that kind of i was at school and i was joseph in the in the nativity play and so there's that moment where you kind of go oh well i'm joseph in the, in the nativity so i'm clearly destined for greatness obviously in, in terms of acting and, and I know I kind of I just always really loved it at school and um, I did it through school joined a um, like a, a youth drama group in Bath where I'm from and uh, did you know kind of really enjoyed it just got really got the bug I guess and couldn't think of doing couldn't imagine doing anything else um, other than trying to be an actor but equally had I think enough, I'm not sure if it's, I think it might, I'm not sure if it's uh, self-awareness or whether it's just kind of a complete uh, absence of courage, but I decided to do a, a degree in drama or do theatre theater arts as it, as it was, rather than like trying out for RADA and Lambda. And I really, mm. people who do that, I think are, are just amazing because that's a real step into the kind of the unknown. Like and, off the uh, edge. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And there was something about the fact that I could go to I got an offer to Bretton Hall, which was um, uh, part of the University of Leeds. It was a big campus in the middle of the countryside, and um, it was it was a really interesting place. John Godber was a big part of it there. That he sort of went there, and people at the uh, League of Gentlemen were all from from there, and a few others. Right. And um, and it was it was an amazing place to study. But it had a degree attached to it, so I was kind of always in my, the back of my mind, I guess, thinking. Like this might not work out. I might not be. Mm. I might not be very good. Um, what do I do if I'm not very good? And how do I start my life 
in a way that isn't necessarily massively in debt. And I think that's a kind of, at the time, of course, it's like different now, but at the time, you know, there were grants and you could go to university pretty much free of charge. And so I did that, it was good, I loved it. I met some amazing people and uh, came down to London afterwards and um, tried to get an agent. So we don't, we didn't do shows like the Rada and Lambda and Central. We, we, so the whole thing was kind of just from scratch, trying to find someone to work and trying to get some agents and stuff. And, um, uh, you know, kind of just got just got going, just did some plays and managed to find some some ways in and, and uh, eventually got an agent. That's right. How, like you made that sound so simple. Oh, I mean, that's <laughs> I just didn't want to say because I'm boring. <laughs> <laughs> no, but I mean, that was, you must have had a lot of kind of hustle to make that happen to come from a course that didn't have showcases that wasn't kind of in London, you know, like you say, Radalanda, et cetera, to come down and make it happen like that and get an agent like what what were the key moments in that oh that's a really good question i think that um i haven't really thought about it if i'm really honest i think i did have i think i knew i had to have hustle um if if or at least i'm not sure i'd like i, I think i knew i had to try really hard because yeah. i wasn't coming from a standard background and all of that. I think the key moments probably were, were, and this is maybe thematic in terms of my, my life, like I kind of, there's a great deal of luck and there's a great deal of putting yourself into a position where the luck sticks, you know? And um, so <clears throat> I had, um, I was doing, is it PCR? Does that still exist? Does PCR still exist? Right, I mean, so, I, so. I hope not because, <laughs> I, because I feel bad okay, so <laughs> not if, acknowledging it. So, so on, on the, on the, People of my age might remember there's this red, this docu, this paper thing that came round yeah, like once heard, a week. Yes. It's called PCR. I even forget yeah, what, the, what the acronym is for performance. Mm. Oh, whatever. Um, and it would arrive in your. You'd have to subscribe to it, and in it would have, you'd have everything from like Steven Spielberg is casting, you know, Band of Brothers or something like that, yeah. through to the Bournemouth um, Film School is casting for people for its third year kind of films and everything in between basically yeah. and so uh i oddly enough didn't get into band of brothers but i i did get myself into a, a show uh, to a film at the bournemouth film school and um did did that it was all about um volkswagen beatles as i as i remember it and it had a showing at bafta um, I think I think it won a kind of a regional award and it got to BAFTA. So that was nothing to do with me. That was to do with the filmmaker. But um, I kind of clocked it and I was able to get an agent along who was representing uh, a, f a kind of a guy I'd known at, at university and sort of just I th I just think I just remember them coming along and I think they were between things. They were he was quite a big star at the time. He's in Casualty and various different things and. The agent was a guy called Michael Wiggs, who's at CAM, right. and um, and he came along, and I think he just saw it for about thirty seconds and thought, okay, well he's fine, and um, put me in touch with a, uh, a, a kind of, he he didn't pick me up, but his he put me in touch with another agent at CAM. They came along to a um, a play I was doing in Nottingham and picked me up from from there. So right. it was sort of it was those things. I think it's just that thing of like I worked really, you know, I kind of worked pretty hard to get to the to the, the Bournemouth job and the Nottingham job, but I was lucky to get the other bits, you know, to get the the contact through my friend to, to get the agent. And then the agent was just saw just enough to get his other agent 
to to come along to Nottingham. Could could I ask you to be because you know obviously any actor whose whose sound doesn't you know blow their own trumpet, but for the sake of anyone listening to this to kind of get an impression because you know like uh, right. meeting you now you're obviously a, an engaging guy you know um, but I'm curious to hear your. Uh, take if if i could ask you to put modesty down a little bit what would you say an agent saw in you at that point what did they see they said right this someone's gonna work they're gonna um i it's a really hard question i'm sorry for the radio silence i'm just trying to think think it through i i i i find it hard i don't know i think i think So I must have been all right on screen, whatever, however you define that. I must have, I must have done a decent job of looking like I liked Volkswagen Beetles, I guess. <laughs> and I honestly also think that there's a bit of this that is. So this isn't this isn't modesty. It's just just realism, right? I think I feel, I feel like there's also a bit of it where he wasn't building his client list because he's Michael Wiggs and he had Ray Winston and various different people. But like his colleague was was new and was building her client list. And I think she needed a 20-something white guy, you know. And I think that there's that. And that's a real thing. That kind of, that's not me being modest. I was a 20-something white guy and I just happened to be there at that time. The fact that I, where where the kind of, if there's if there's pride in it, it's, it's that, I didn't screw up when I was filming and I um, and I hustled to get the job in the first place like a lot of people did you know around like a lot of people do um, but I, th- I think it, I think it was that I think you mentioned persistence earlier I think there was something there as well the fact that I was just on their backs the whole time mm. um, trying to not not being annoying like not not being the the, the guys phoning up every 30 seconds but just basically when there was something to show i show i made sure i was like right. i'm showing this thing didn't you know. hide your light under a bush yeah you? there's yeah. that there's definitely that there's a kind of i think it's about recognizing that in the silence when there's no work like don't badger them because you've got nothing to show and if the work is crap don't badger them because it's crap and they're not going to sign you up but if it's if if it's all right or if it shows you doing a bunch of facial expressions that you think are facial expressions that people normally see on television. <laughs> when well, you boil bar. it down. <laughs> yeah, yeah. yeah, it's, yeah, it's quite, it. quite a low bar. But like, I would say that's, <clears throat> that's your chance. You know? yeah. I remember doing showreels of facial expressions. Ser- yeah, just facial yeah, expressions? Yeah, fa- because commercials are a big deal. And commercials are just reacting to product the whole day long <laughs> just like yeah. oh, i love this product or i i hate that product over there but uh, you know or i you know i it's just basically a set of reactions to stuff yeah i was chatting to american actors i think the phrase they use was i think it's a bite and smile uh, okay. that they work on okay. they work yeah, yeah, on yeah. drama school i do yeah. your bite and smile yeah there's so much of that for right. whatever burger king so yeah yeah yeah, yeah shouldn't be advertising <laughs> uh, but anyway so then you then you get signed with an agent and, and yeah what happens so then? this was a kind of a um to me this was like this is maybe where i where i felt like i was like i just nailed it i felt like i i got i got not just not just an agent but but cam are a decent agency i mean yeah. they're, they're even i mean not even now but like they're, they're, a, they're a great agency and i was with them i'd just done this 
this play in Nottingham and it had been kind of quite well received. And then, then the first the first um, audition I did when I came back to to London was um, for a play called Wojtek at the Gate in Nottingham. Oh, sorry, Nottingham, Notting Hill. Uh, and it was directed by a playwright called Sarah Kane. And Sarah Kane directed yeah, it. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Wow. Yeah, yeah. yeah. So and um, so Michael Shannon, who's a big Hollywood star now, was was playing Wojtek and. Um, is that yeah Michael Shannon who's with the incredible face yeah he's, he's got an he's amazing so many things face. yeah and he's an, he's a gold smacking actor and people like Stephen Beresford who went on to write Pride uh, the film and that was wow. his that was his film so it was, it was one of those kind of like there were tons Kate Ashfield was in it it was just amazing and so I kind of got this job and it was one of those ones where it was it was cues around the block um, Sarah was a huge name is a huge name and um uh you know it just was it got great reviews i remember looking at harold pinter sat in the front row because wow. uh, you know, the gate obviously is tiny yeah. and so you could see all these people just just coming down to, to see to see the to, to see the play and it was kind of a bit brutal but it was amazing and uh and stuff and so i kind of just there was this um it was i remember it running over an autumn uh, autumn winter and I just remember thinking I'm I'm done right I've I've yeah. this is amazing like it took me a year and I'm I'm in one of the kind of the hottest plays of the year with this um, incredible uh director writer and these amazing people what was Sarah Kane like um she's so she was uh she's amazing she's she ended up being a really um a really really close friend so wow. I, um and I'm friends with her brother Simon and 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 stuff now and and she was the thing I remember the thing that I think is um difficult in the sense of um mem- remembering her as a so she's a really public figure and uh, or she, you know and the thing I remember about her was how gentle she was what people rem- what people talk about with Sarah is the brutality of Mm. Or they often talk about that, and not all they talk about, but like there is a sense of kind of how difficult and brutal and in sometimes impenetrable her plays are, or what you know, and 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 how troubled she was, and that all of that is true. Um, but the thing I remember, I sort of remember, you know, that a really soft, gentle, really careful, caring um, kind of person, and who became a you know a really a really good friend, and. Um, uh, and yeah one of one of one of my friends in my life i guess really right um i used to work in a bar in brixton and um she had a house just around the corner um and she used to come in and just sat, stand at the end of the bar and like whenever i wasn't serving somebody or during the day making somebody coffee we'd just sort of sit and and chat and smoke and because uh, obviously everyone smoked in those days it was yeah. the, it was the 90s the late 90s um and um and just yeah it was just amazing just kind of incredible it was a real privilege if i'm really honest it was a real privilege to be kind of a part of that yeah life and you know i would only know anything about her from her plays so like you say people you associate those kind of adjectives with her um because they're so kind of searing those plays yeah i mean to meet you, you you seem like a very um I don't know, uh, there's a kind of brightness to everything right. about you, you know, and I, I would have assumed that Sarah Kane is a very kind of dark 
personality or, or is it that you have more of the darkness than I'm seeing oh, or that uh, she was brighter then or so I guess I guess maybe I definitely have more darkness um, right. but I would also say that um, it's a tricky thing to talk about because actually what I'm talking about is somebody who was who had a you know who had a who was unwell frankly mm-hmm. and and but obviously like anybody who's unwell over a long period there were times where she was really unwell and times where she was not unwell or where the where she was more healthy frankly than, than other times and um actually in nearly all of those times there was the spark of life in sarah was the was the was just kind of astonishing it was just a really astonishing thing having said that i would go and see her plays with her i went to um, edinburgh to see crave when it when it's when it launched and uh cleansed in in um in town in in london and i'd always come out of them going I, you know I, I obviously i loved it but also like i felt really strongly that was a really optimistic message in there sarah and she was like did you? <laughs> it's like, no, not really, no. I don't know, I think there's something buried, like right there, it's really, you know, so but maybe there was something about that that actually, I think um, one of, that's maybe one of the reasons we got on all right was that, you know, I was probably an optimist and I probably, that probably... Um, you were drawn to each other. Yeah, yeah. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Um, so so to go back to to your your path mm. um you'd gotten that that was your second professional job is that right so that was my <clears throat> that was my second professional job yeah i did right. a, i did um rep in nottingham and then um with a series of agatha <laughs> that's just what i think that you go back you go yeah so i did a series of agatha, agatha christie plays in rep and then i went and did voice sec with sarah <laughs> <laughs> you're just gonna go Oh yeah, because obviously that obviously that happened. You know, <laughs> who did you play by the way? Uh, in Voitzek, yeah. I played the Doctor. I actually have done Voitzek myself you? years ago. It was a, technically the first professional play that I ever did, um, but it was just like with mates and stuff. Yeah, but I'm trying to remember the Doctor. So he's but, the Have you eaten your peas, Voitzek guy? Right, he's the guy who's just all about peas. Right, <laughs> for some reason they're important. They're important, right? <laughs> but he's particularly obsessed about peas. Right. Yeah. So, so um, he's one of the. So, if you remember, like Wojtek gets sort of almost like visited by all these different, like the sergeant. Is it the drum major? And, yeah, yeah. And the doctor, and there's, I think there's somebody else. I can't remember, but um, you know, and it's a kind of a sequence of people, kind of gradually tearing him apart I think really mm. so I was one of those guys right yeah good on you um so then what 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 followed from that what so what followed from that I think if I remember correctly was um a really sort of sad period where um having having kind of felt like I just arrived and it was much easier than I thought it was going to be my agent who was quite new in the business quit very very suddenly for health reasons and um, I remember being picked. So I got a call from um, from Michael Wiggs at CAM saying this had happened and that he was going to pick me up, basically. And I think I was, again, I was lucky because um, a lot of, I think a lot of people got dropped, but, but I got picked up. But the reality of that was, and this is, I should be super clear about this, like this is no, there's no kind of... Um, uh, oh God, sour grapes is the wrong word, but there's nothing kind of like, uh, no edge to this. 
Um, but what actually happened is I went from go I went from an agent who was who was like she herself was new and was trying super hard and was like on it, you know, to to an agent who was really busy with really internationally successful clients. And I was kind of in the background going, <clears throat> hello, hello, you know, and uh, if I'm really honest, what happened next was nothing happened. I just dried up for a year. I just did nothing. I just, I, I worked in a bar. I, I, um, I did loads of different temping jobs and I lived really hand to mouth for about it for it for a year or so. And it's kind of grim, you know, mm. and that was, that was just when, that was when Sarah died and uh whole bunch of stuff that happened. soon after yeah it was oh, right dear. in that right in that period yeah yeah so um oh, so it was kind of it was it went you went i went from this kind of like it uh, you know it's not just high to low that's a sort of one way of looking at it the other way of looking at it is like it was a sense of ease like it was it was easy for a year and then it was suddenly impossibly difficult out you know in terms of i couldn't get an audition i couldn't speak to my agent i couldn't um i couldn't I couldn't live properly I had to you know I was I was racking up debts and working in a bar and um you know then my friend died it was just it was one it was just like that kind of it was it was like that was the the difficult the really t hard part of it was just understanding how utterly dysfunctional it suddenly all was having been utterly functional eight months beforehand something that strikes me about um you know like lo losing a friend like that is an aspect of being an actor obviously there's so much uncertainty and volatility in it anyway yeah but and you're kind of dealing with that and you know that that's what yeah. you, you'll have to deal with but then the events of life are thrown in there too yeah you know and um like i, I experienced that i won't go into it too much because we're telling your story but like I, I i experienced a similar thing where i lost my dad right. uh, and yeah i don't know it really obviously it affected me massively and there's all this stuff going on and at the same time you're having to work as an actor in this very yeah. volatile industry and I don't know you're ne never going to be prepared for that are you it's no. just adds another thing on top to you like oh Jesus this is a lot to kind of carry yeah I think it really I think it, you know it just I, th I remember talking to my brother um, around that time and um him saying I think his phrase, the words were something like do you, do you have any normal friends what I would give <laughs> yeah he works he has a very different life he works in like he's in he's <clears throat> does brilliantly in sort of uh, big IT security spin outs from Silicon Valley and stuff but it was it's it, you know his working life is much more stable I suppose and I would and, I, and, and because I think well you'll know you know you're as an actor your working life is massively intertwined with your personal life it's like your friends are actors your partner might be is probably going to be an actor you're you know you'll you'll go and do a job and then you'll make a whole bunch of new friends who are actors in that job and it's in, indivisible you know and so when stuff happens um like you know your situation or my situation or whatever else it's like it's hard to pull those two things apart um, and hard to, I think maybe this is what I found is like, you know, that sense of um, failure, having tried to tried something, got a bit successful, somehow it stopped. And then there was all the personal stuff sort of going on around the background and, and, and not just personalizing sort of 
what happened with Sarah, but like, but also all the um, just not making ends meet. You know, living living in a in a flat in but in Brixton where I couldn't afford the rent, and you know, just grim. And you kind of it's just all one thing. When I look back, it's just all one thing, and um, and uh, made it made it tough to kind of break that cycle. So what did what did break the cycle in ter- in terms of work at least like how yeah. that came to an end right yeah so 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 uh, what ca- what broke the cycle I think was I quit my agent which was a bit reckless at the time I think you know you look back and you kind of go you know um, but I think it was that sense of of um, to use that horrible f- uh, now now very overused phrase sort of taking back control basically that sense of I'm not. I'm I'm under the the care of a agency that can't look after me because I'm a really small fish and and so I just quit and <clears throat> I went home I lived with my parents for a couple of months um broke up with my girlfriend as well as at the time and um and I found I found some friends uh, I don't f- <laughs> <laughs> that's really sad like I was like on the internet you know no um <clears throat> I I had become friendly with with a couple of um guys who were starting up their own sort of post-production production facility and they were just amazing just really enthusiastic energetic kind of bonkers they had a house I remember I remember I was living at home with my parents I was coming up to London for for auditions because uh, I was still just, I was just on PCR still, just trying to get auditions. And um, I uh, I was being really supported by a commercial casting agent who was just lovely and was just like, let's just keep you kind of coming back to London. And um, so they had a house in, uh, in the Oval, which at the time was, um, uh, Jack Straw was the foreign secretary, I think. And he lived in the same sort of square in Oval, in, in Oval and so I'd go back to stay at their house and like there's police everywhere and these big red cars and helicopters overhead and but they were lovely they were kind of really um amazing film sort of filmmakers and they still are filmmakers now cool. and, um, and so what I sorry you asked the question what broke it and I think it was probably the confidence that they gave me as friends that broke it it's probably the best the simplest way of putting it I just met people who were just lovely and they they sort of they kind of believed in me and that's amazing but they also they just believed in everybody that they met they were just really lovely people and I'd stay with them when I auditioned and they uh, put me up a a few nights in a row and they would put me in films you know in the background and stuff like that and they got me in in the building and I did some running for them and made coffee and stuff so um, as a matter of interest what was the moment that you met these guys? Uh, I'm curious, you know, given that that was such a stroke of fortune, yeah. do you remember the actual moment where you first? Yeah, so I'm, I them? met them through. I started going to church. Um, I, oh. I, I, I don't uh, go to church anymore, but I, I did at the time. I'm not sure, you know, uh, what triggered that. Well, I, I guess though, you know, a bunch of stuff triggered that. But yeah. they were there. They were, they were, um, they were at that church, and they were about around my age and. We just got chatting through 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 that, and um, um, I think that was me trying to fix the stuff that had gone wrong. Yeah. Um, and in doing so, I met these people that were just, you know, I think that their faith was a big part of who they are and were at the time, but they kind of wore it really lightly. It wasn't like mm. a great big, you know. Um, 
conversion session, they were just nice people, just good people. The kind of positivity of it. And... Yeah, I think so. And the kind of sense of bringing people up with you. Like if you're doing, if you're doing all right, you know, you, you, what's the phrase? You send the, send the ladder down or, yeah. you know, all that stuff. And I think there was a bit of that with it. And, uh, um, so then they're, they're some of my best friends to, the, to this day. We lived, we, I ended up moving back to London. I got a, I got a commercial in the end. Uh, and um, this is the one you told me about. Yeah, yeah, this is the Renault, Renault, Renault Scenic, right. yeah, which was yeah. insane. Um, but um, uh, it paid amazingly, largely because it, it was an international buyout. Um, uh, but also, as I, as, I, as I was saying earlier, also because um, the halfway through filming, the, they built this Amish village, and like in a field in the middle of Spain. And the set blew down overnight in a big storm, and they had to send us all home on a retainer, and then rebuild this Amish village, and then fly us back out again to shoot the kind of some of the, the final scenes for it. So I kind of was suddenly in this position where I kind of had a bit of money, and uh, I had some, I had a more of a solid kind of stable base of friends, and I think that there was something um, about those friends not being actors. Mm. Um, that I mean, okay, that was related certainly, and they understood actors, and they, you know, but they weren't in the, they weren't directly in the same boat. And you weren't kind of talking shop with yeah. them, or talking about who was getting what job and all that. Kind exactly, of stuff. it was just like so they they completely understood and, and appreciated that environment. But what they were talking about was, you know, um, can they afford to buy a new, you know, beta drive or whatever the hell they were working on at the time, or you know, uh, what editing suite needed more, you know, kit. Um, and so it was kind of a similar but different vibe and we ended up uh, they arranged to rent this house that was the um, the, the Canadian ambassador's house in the middle of Stockwell <laughs> obviously <laughs> and so we had Joanna Lumley just like there and we had Martha Fines you know two doors down the road <laughs> so two doors down you know the circles they like to mix in yeah <laughs> yeah we were right we were, we were perfect for them <laughs> and we just you know it was just a beautiful really beautiful house <clears throat> Um, that we could just about afford rent if we all worked, you know, 12 hours a day. Yeah. <clears throat> and um, and so I started to, and, and it just kind of like, I, I did a commercial, I did another commercial and I got picked up by an agent called Andrew Manson uh, and he started to get me jobs and bits and bobs and, and I was kind of back in it. Um, so between then, because uh, I'm conscious of, you know, mm. we could go into huge detail with with all of it, but I, but I, you know, uh, I feel like you did a lot. Yeah. So what would you say between that point when you kind of get back into it, to the point where you you start segueing out of it? How many years were you? Were they? Uh, that was about. I reckon that was probably about five five solid years of giving it a right good go during that time. Right. Um, uh, so from moving back to London, you know, in and around that, and I think, you know, I I got an agent, did 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 some did some other work, did quite a lot of commercials, um, you know, all the TV standards like the Bill, although that's not around anymore. But I did Holby and EastEnders, and you know, Silent Witness, and all those kinds of things, yeah. um, and was starting to kind of you know mooch along a little bit and did a bit of theatre here and there um, and uh, I ended up doing a um, a sci-fi miniseries before miniseries were before box sets were super popular this was one of those things where you're like so it's not a film it's a box set and everyone's like oh 
that's disappointing. <laughs> Sounds rubbish. Yeah, whereas now I'm like, oh off. my god, you're doing a box set. That's amazing. You know? <laughs> um, so um, I did a I did a, a mini a mini series called Children of June, which was uh, kind of obviously a spin off of June, um, and there was another spin off of June that it was it itself was a spin off of. So it's kind of you know uh, anyway. So I, I and that was amazing. I was out in Prague filming um, for pretty much a summer with um, some really incredible actors. Susan Sarandon was my mum, or I was her son. It's probably a better way of putting that. Um, uh, James McAvoy was in it. You know, it was a really, really good fun job. Really good fun. Um, and so I was kind of I was loving it and was doing doing all right. Did some West End stuff. Um, but if I'm really honest, I kind of. I fell out of love with it when I started to do quite well. I'd not. There were a bunch of stuff, but bunch of things happened. Um, I got married, which is a really lovely thing, but it made me question the the love that I had to have for acting um, in order to make it work. I think it's that thing of you know you you you're, you have to be so kind of in it the whole time. I think sometimes I think so. I think you have to be in it the whole time. Um, and I got married and it was just like I wanted to split my love much more you know not evenly mm. I wanted to love my wife and, and and for acting to become a job but you know I think acting is not really a job it's a vocation it's a you have to really you have to really love it to make it work and I've I found that quite a struggle um, I think could I just ask at that point because we haven't really talked about um, you know what you felt like on the inside when you were acting because obviously that's oh, going to okay. be slightly different to everyone, but you know, uh, um, what did it feel like to you? You know, you know, when you were doing what you consider kind of your best work, um, what was that like for you? So that's a really good, good question. I think um, I feel like the I feel like I did my best work really early. I feel like Wojciech, I was the you know that state that people talk about you know where you where you're immersed where you're where you're in it and you forget yourself and you you are just you inhabit that character or that play or whatever that was that was pretty much how I felt doing doing that play and if I'm super honest I think what I found after that was you know doing the bill or Holby or um Children of June or any of the adverts. It was much more technical. It was much more. I don't think I ever kind of recovered that sense of inhabiting a character. It was always just kind of much more like, so I'm going <laughs> to stand on my, I'm going to hit my mark, I'm going to find my light, I'm going to say my line, I'm going to do it in that accent or that accent. And, and it, I don't remember really ever feeling particularly like utterly sort of sunk into the character. And I think that was largely as a result of the kinds of jobs that I was getting. They were good, solid jobs but they were technical jobs rather than creative jobs you know mm. truly creative jobs i think because uh, you said you also worked because i was wondering if that might have been a um stage versus screen thing a little bit if you're doing kind of small supporting roles on screen you said you did some stuff on the west end were, were they any meatier those yeah, roles or they were they were meatier but not in i, mean, I, I kind of did the the, the thing that is um, the, the the most West Endy of all the West Endy things I did was was um, and it's not particularly West Endy by the way you know it's, it's kind of it's called the Madness of George W and it was right at the start of the Iraq War and it was basically a protest play 
sure. that started off in a, a, a church hall in North London. It went to the Pleasants, then it came into the arts um, in, in town. Wow. And it was basically a kind of a, um, a satire about what was going on uh, with the Iraq war and, and with some really cool, really lovely people in it. Um, but, and I guess that, you know, yeah, I felt that was, that was in sort of immersive, if that's the right word, but not necessarily from a character point of view, but from a kind of political point of view, that mm. was, that was something that was really, we all felt really strongly about that thing. And, you know, we would be performing it when the marches were going, there's those million people marches were going not exactly past the door, but sort of not far away. And then when the bombing raid started, we were still doing it. And, you know, so there was kind of that, it was a very different experience, but um, uh, that I would say that I'd never really, never really got that sense of, of creation beyond that first sort of first year or so. Interesting. And I wonder is that, because like you say, it could be the roles, but it also could be because partly because you had the traumas of that year that you described and obviously yeah. losing a friend probably chief among them and then also not working and that brings stress and everything yeah. do you think that could have been part of it as well or was it or was it more just the roles i think i think there's a big you know i, I guess i've never really thought of it like that but it's one of the things like now you say it <laughs> sure no no it does sound it sounds it sounds right it sounds like i i I think when I look back, it is all chronology and I struggle to remember the emotion a bit of it. And I think that when you talk, when talking about it with you now, you, you, I, I recognize that, you know, that actually that was such a jolt, you know, um, and I think that there was a sense made that, sorry, that, that period was such a jolt. I think there was a sense of, I lost the love, maybe, you know, I, I feel like I lost a bit of love with it. I ended up falling out of love with it entirely, but I ended up, I think I felt out of love when I came back, but I was just not going to give up. I wasn't going to let it beat me. And I, I think it felt like those, those final five years were just like, I'm just going to not let it beat me. And as soon as I'm at least equal in the in the in the boxing match as you know, we've both landed some blows but as soon as, as soon as i've like got one back or a couple back i'm done and yeah. that's kind of how it felt i think at the time is just when you when you as soon as i'd got to a point where okay so i've just i've i've done a summer with susan sarandon and james mcavoy in prague i've got some money from some commercials i've worked with some really cool directors on commercials i've done a bit of west end like i've landed some punches yeah. i'm done <laughs> you mm. know i'm out so i think it was maybe that you said something when we had a, a brief chat first on the phone um that really interested me you, you said about james mcavoy oh, yeah. that he there was a kind of a moment with him that was that was kind of important too where, where he came to your trailer was that yeah, right when you yeah. were doing children of doom yeah so he um he's amazing and it was kind of thrilling to watch him. Like even obviously that was God. I don't know how long. It was a long time ago. He was a, a lad, um, and um, he was incredible to watch um, on on set. He just was on it. He just and it and at the same time uh, he'd come to. Well, there was one time he'd invite me around for dinner. 
the apartment he was in and then we chat and then there was a time when um i was in my trailer um and he came and we play cards and stuff and there was just it it sounds for i don't want to sound like i'm you know blowing smoke but there's something about him that is you get it right it's like an x it's like an x factor thing you kind of go oh yeah that's it that's the thing and it's you see it with loads of other people as well you know as i said i was lucky enough to work with susan sarandon sarandon there and there are others people as well, people as well and you 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 kind of i kind of got it i kind of realized that's the thing that they that people get that's the thing that, that drives people to the theater or to the cinema or to the tv um he's just got it and even when he's playing cards just sat in a trailer he's amazing and um and and really charming with it and stuff and I, it was one of the things that actually <laughs> I think he won't like this if he if he I can't remember, he, I can't imagine he'll hear it but like oh he'll he, hear it <laughs> <laughs> yeah that's right think big so he basically was one of the drivers for me stopping acting right uh, um and that is not like hero worship it's just that kind of practical realization that I'm fine I'm going to be fine as an actor but I'm not going to be that kind of level of creative I'm not going to be that that I'm not going to own my career in the way that someone like that can own their career um, and there was that realization that I would always be effectively reactive, um, whereas if you're just that bit, frankly, better at the job, you can be that much more proactive. And that was a that was a kind of clincher for me. There were lots of other things around then, but that was a clinching moment. I think from from me going, okay, I should be thinking about something else. James McAvoy is punching the air. Yes. Yeah. yeah exactly. Another one. Well, another one down. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> well, that's that's really interesting. And I know I know what you mean. I think a lot of I think a lot of actors face moments like that because it it yeah. does play with your your own insecurities and you're so intrinsically tied to the kind of what you're offering. Yeah. In a way that is isn't really like any other job. That's like you are for want of a better word, kind of the product. Completely. And, and it's hard not to take it personally if things don't go your way at yeah, times. I think, I think that's the thing I remember from, from being an actor and from being with actors is, you know, there's that sense, and it's different for different people and not everyone's the same, but I do really remember, I mean, for, speaking for myself, like every haircut I had was like, not just kind of have a haircut. It's like, oh my God, if I get my haircut wrong, I'm never going to get a job. <laughs> you know, if I don't go to the gym, I'm never going to get a job. If I, you know, if I have a spot, I'm never going to get a job. You know, it's all that, that self-reflection that you're, yeah, you're your own brand um, and your own product, as you say. And, and I think that that is troublesome, you know, frankly. Mm. And some of the some of the better, easier, um, more maybe even more successful actors are people who kind of are able to forget that and not get their hair cut in a certain way because it's like what the last casting director said that they liked, you know, or or not worry about the spot or the gym or whatever it is. I think that's that sense of ease that that is hard to hard to just do when you're so desperate for a job yeah some people just seem to have it for free or something yeah. maybe they're they're a bit cracked or something where it's a, it's a useful yeah. craziness to, yeah. to kind of not give a shit or something <laughs> like that isn't it? yeah um so sorry so you were saying i i uh, interjected when you were saying about splitting your love 
for acting and, and for your for your new wife what's your wife's name by the way Tanya Tanya yeah. so and that's cool Is she, and she was an actor or not or no no so I was temping right and she was my boss no well played yeah. well played <laughs> that's no mean feat as a temp I've been a temp yeah yeah, yeah, yeah. It's not easy to go from temp to going out the bus. Oh, what can I say? I was very lucky. She, she brought, <laughs> I think she says now it was because I I brought a pet <laughs> I brought a pet lunch in, and I had like a fun sized Twix in my pet lunch. She, she was like, that was the moment. <laughs> she was like, no, no man I've ever met before or since would bring a fun sized Twix to work. <laughs> And you say no X Factor. <laughs> it's based entirely around my my uh, my choice of, of uh, small confectionery. That, uh, that was the that was the clincher. Wow. Yeah. And so so just not to you know labour it too much, but like how many people worked in that office? Like how how many rungs down a ladder were you as the temp meeting the boss? Oh, so well, no. I mean, it was a it was a big office, but it was a small team, and I. I I think she I mean I don't think maybe a couple maybe a couple of rungs between us I guess but also she was leaving that was the thing so she was entirely professional the entire time I should make that I right. should make that clear um but um like she was leaving to go traveling and um and we just kind of got together just as she was leaving which is really again brilliant timing yeah. she left uh to go to all around the world just as we got together but you know it worked it worked out right in the end brilliant that's great. So, so tell me about the the process then. When you start, you've fallen out of love with it, with acting. How do you start? What do you do then? So, again, to talk about luck, I had met these friends. I'd met these people who who had uh, this this work. They were doing this sort of production work, and so I just started um, making coffee, hanging out, trying to help often for free sometimes for a little bit of kind of cash in hand and um and i think that probably i i think you you, you know how you look back sometimes and you and you put a um a spin on something i feel like i just i just decided to make myself indispensable you know to to make make myself work to make it uh, make myself a part of that of that thing and and some of that was i think initially um subconscious but I think it moved to a point where I was like, "Oh, I, this is this is my this is my route this is my route out because it's close to what I do, but it's not close enough. It's dif- it's different enough." Um, and there was flexibility in that time when I was running for them, because um, I could just zip out. I kept my agent, and I could zip out and do a commercial casting or a TV casting and come back. Um, and and I started doing sort of production with them and going out on, on shoots and and so on and um, the thing I remember that really flipped it was having to go and do an audition for a commercial and really resenting it I was just like but I'm in the middle of kind of preparing for this production and that we're going to go out and shoot tomorrow and I had to go and do this this commercial and just really resenting it walking in and just not wanting to be there um, and couldn't wait to get back to work and I, that was another moment because I think there was never a kind of light on, light off moment. It was just like all these incremental things. And that was another moment where I was just thinking, um, like, what am I doing? Like, I've just got to stop doing that and just give it 
give it up and go for this. And so there was a moment where I just basically called my agent and said, I'm, I'm out, I'm done, and took a bit of a leap. But it was, you know, I, I, I feel like I, I look back and I was so lucky because, it, yes, it was, a, it was a leap, but it was so safe, you know, really. At the time, I, okay, I was married, but I didn't have kids. I, uh, you know, I, I, my mortgage was all right. You know, I was working, I was going to go to a job where I knew the people and I knew the work and, um, and to an extent I'd kind of created that environment, but equally it, uh, it was, yeah, sorry. So it just made it, it made it a quite a safe thing to, to do, I think. Uh, had you, had you achieved a, a decent level of financial stability through the commercials, through all the, all the acting work had given you a good bit of. So the so um, the acting work so I'd, I'd been able to, to put a, a deposit on a mortgage in it for a flat in Ballam and I was so my I had a I had a flat or Tanya and I had a flat um, and we yeah I think basically I th- I think the commercials were added a bit but it was it had all been sunk into assets I guess is, is, a, is a way of looking at it and and um, it's better than up against the wall yeah you know? yeah yeah. Right. yeah. So, so I, I had a bit, a bit of stability, it's true. Um, but the reality is that once that stability had sort of either been sunk into the assets or just dried up, um, I was kind of, um, you know, living off what was at the time, I think £16,000 a year or something. Just when I first started, it was pretty hand to mouth. Mm. Um, so, yeah, a bit of a um, uh, kind of scarce few years in those, in those first, first few years. And are you in your kind of late 20s early 30s at this point or? so I got married at 28 so it must have been I think I was in my I think it was in my late yeah late 20s early 30s exactly okay so now as I said at the beginning you're you're we're sitting in the boardroom is it boardroom yeah yeah okay, it looks like a boardroom we're sitting at the end of a long table in the boardroom of the British Pharmacological Society where you are the CEO yeah so that is that's some journey from from you know leaving acting and starting as a kind of a runner as yeah. you described it. So tell me tell me about that. What what were the stages? <laughs> try try along and summarize that. Yeah, yeah. How, how how the hell did that happen? <laughs> <laughs> yeah, it's a really good point. So um, I uh, I'll try and kind of condense it because it's obviously you know it's it's quite long and so basically I had. Uh, um, I'd worked up to a position where I was producing for this company that I was working that I was working with this um, uh, this uh, company that did they did a lot of work in in um, uh, health and safety videos basically and I did a, a health and safety video for the for the NHS as human factors how do you fix errors and address address adverse drug reactions and how might behaviour um, kind of address some of those issues and we worked with. A kind of an academic lead on that who was really sort of world renowned created a series that that was then sold into the national health service and then i was able to sort of pitch that to the canadian health service and danish and and um and the um, um swedish health services and so i got really interested in sort of in just healthcare and in, and in health and in um i suppose medicines and and public health and th- at the same time that I was starting to get a little bit uh, bored, I think maybe with that with that job and with that role, um, 
and also by that point I had twins so I had right. I had like I went from nothing to you know to twins and like that's a financial uh, burden mm, um, that light to fire underneath you yeah it does it really does like you're suddenly like okay so I think I was working they'd sold parts of the company at, at that point I was working out of a living room um, and not my own living room I had to cycle every day to this living room work in this living room cycle home um, and to my to my family and I'm just thinking oh you know like this isn't really a I have to I have to find something more stable and I, I, I were you at that point did you ever have moments where you're like why did I become an actor or you know were you like had I given that now I'm married and I have kids and I know that I want this I'm yeah. in my mid-30s or so if I had started on a kind of more conventional career when I was younger I'd be sorted now or was it just like no, I don't remember that never I thought like that never thought like that I think yeah. it's I think so I've always really felt like the 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 whether it's the training that I did or the experience that I had absolutely added value like played right into the rest of my career like and, and I don't think that I would have done the things that I did with the levels of confidence that I did or frankly kind of been able to jump across things so quickly without that ability that's drummed in to actors as you know so you're you know sort of it's a bit of a cliche but you know when you're improvising you have to be one thing and then you do then you're one other thing and then or if you if you're working and you you're a, you do one job and you do another job and you and and then in the middle of it you're temping or you're working in a bar you're just different things all the time and so there's something about that that just made it you know it was just a kind of progression I was just a different thing so I was all those different things as an actor and then I was a different thing as a as a sort of runner production assistant and then a different thing as a producer but it didn't feel compartmentalized or it didn't feel separate it all felt like just one part of one whole thing um, and I think that the link there is the creativity thing because I, f I feel like there's you, you as an actor you want to be creative you want to try and do creative things and sometimes you're able to and sometimes you're not <clears throat> but what I found was when I went when I went into sort of production is that you're being creative day in day out you're making stuff you're 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 building a, a film shoot or you're selling a, a, a product or you're whatever it happens to be you're doing a whole bunch of different things um, that are broadly creative and so I never resented or regretted that time. It felt it felt entirely kind of coherent. Um, but I saw an advert for the um, head of communications job here at the BPS. Um, went for it and was told that I was an outside candidate, outside chance, but that they would put me forward anyway. And I think that I was able to kind of convince the panel when I came to interview that they didn't actually need somebody who was a dyed-in-the-wool um, you know, press officer and they didn't actually need somebody who was a web developer and they didn't actually need somebody who would run public outreach and public engagement. What they really needed was somebody who was just kind of like a, an all-rounder right. who didn't mind trying press and PR and trying websites and trying public engagement because you know you, they, needed all, they needed all those things. Right. And I think I was just in that same way just able to say like trust me i'll i'll give it a re i'll give it a really good go it, it sounds a little bit like a kind of charismatic young <clears throat> politician you know we need change <laughs> you know change. i'll change yeah. everything yeah it's just populism <laughs> <laughs> yeah a young boris no i know I, I, I don't know what it was i i, I think it was 
I love to I love to look back and think it was it was self belief. I think it was I think that was probably a point of desperation. That was probably a point of like, so I'm I'm. You know when you go, you know if you go ocean swimming or if you go on long bike rides, there's a bit where basically you're half, you know, you're all the way out, and you can you can decide to sort of drown or or just sit on the side of the road and wait for a car to pick you up or you have to basically either keep going or, or sort of swim or cycle back and that was how it felt at the time as i was all the way out like i was by that point i had a bigger mortgage i had twins babies you know i had this thing and, and so it was a kind of i remember that interview as being a kind of a desperation that this was the thing that was going to give me a stable income and, a, and it was a proper career in a proper um, kind of a working environment having come through an environment that was very much more hand-to-mouth and trying to make things work and you know a startup business basically um, and so yeah I was definitely on a mission to like sell myself as somebody who was able to pick up all these different sort of threads of the job and make them work and if they hired a, a press officer that press officer couldn't do all the other things. And if they hired a web person, the web person couldn't do, do couldn't do the press bit of it. So that was kind of the sell. That's an incredibly dramatic moment in a person's life that you just described, isn't it? I mean, if the panel had any idea of how much pressure <laughs> yeah. you knew you were under, you know, but that you that you you kept your shit together in that moment yeah. and and performed and delivered in the interview and, and got it. And that's so well, true. it's really nice of you to say so. I, I kind of feel more like, you know, you, Donald, and maybe some of the people who might be listening to this and the people that... that I, I feel like there's... Um, I'm not sure... I, I feel like... I might be overplaying the word here, but I feel like there's bravery in all of that stuff because that is about trying... You know, it's, it, it's about trying to make... A vocation work and trying to make the thing that you love really deeply work and sacrificing all that stuff to 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 make that happen and um, I feel in a sense I mean I feel in a sense there is a cowardice I don't feel it that strongly I'll come back to this I think maybe I feel in a sense there's a cowardice to what um, I did which is move away from that world where you have to commit to a world where actually there's a stable income and there's a there's a job and there's a structure and there's a you know there's HR there's a world where there's HR all of a sudden mm. um, and that your holidays are paid for you know and your bank holidays are paid for and um, I don't I'm not kind of discounting the fact that there might be an element of um, courage in making a decision to make that move but there's a sense also of of practice maybe it's pragmatism or practicality or just or just accepting that that you need a thing and you have to go out and get it um but i say that and as i say it, i really kind of um resent myself for saying it because i think one of the key one of the things i that i wanted to say when you said should we we should do this thing is that there is no cowardice in making that jump and there's no cowardice in in deciding against it. You know, I, I now work for an organisation that represents and sort of looks after um, the discipline of pharmacology, but also a whole bunch of scientists. So people who who are academics or clinicians or 
um, you know, people who work in industry. And a lot of young people, we have a massive undergraduate, postgraduate sort of cohort um, in our community. And there's such a massive pressure among academic scientists to not quit, to, to not not be an academic. So you go through, you do your PhD, and if you don't then turn, you know, convert your PhD into something that's basically bench scientist or whatever, and you're then not publishing papers in, you know, big journals, like that's all a failure. And if you decide to take your PhD and the skills that you learn as a as a um, uh, as a pharmacologist or as a scientist and apply them to, you know, the city or the bar or you know, any other kind of uh, lifestyle, life or, or career, that that's often seen as being quite a, quite a cop-out and, and, and uh, a failure, basically. And I think that, that that is, there's a sense of that as well, you know, if you, if you don't either make it as an actor or if you decide that you don't want to make it as an actor, um, that the immediate feeling is one of failure and of cowardice and of having dropped out. And I think that... Um, the my experience is that the truth of of it is that it is super brave to make a jump and it is really rewarding and the skills that you learn as in our in in our case as a as an actor um, and and in the people that I work with in their cases as a scientist or as an academic or, or whatever you know those skills are all transferable you can you can take those skills and plug them into any job you want and be as creative as as you as you like um and that that is um success that is that is a triumph in some cases that is the that's how i that's where i've ended up sort of really that's my belief system i think now is that um you're i'm not putting this very succinctly donald so i'm gonna no no absolutely uh, i mean this is why i'm because you are you're speaking to kind of the major theme and the major idea of of me making this and speaking to people who have stories like yours like i i suppose i i felt a sense of um well a i, I told you earlier on that i had a, a situation where i was in grief and mm. um around that time work-wise i was actually doing really well um but I'm, i think it was all connected but i remember i had a it was actually a little bit like I felt I worked with a few people along the way, like I don't want to name or anything, but there was a few cases where I felt like I I don't feel like I was kind of looked after yeah. by people. And I'd always felt such a sense of belonging as an actor in the industry, mm -hmm. felt like it was where I should be. And then when that happened, I was like, well, maybe it's not actually because maybe I don't know. I felt a bit let down by it or something. And then as well as that I think I had a bit of a wobble yeah. about it all and I started for the first time ever because you know I've always really loved it and had a massive passion for it and it was the first time I was like do I definitely want to do this for the rest of my life because there's there's so much bullshit that goes with the great <sighs> stuff that it's like you have to weigh up for yourself am I willing to put up with the bullshit like forever if I don't get to be James McAvoy or whoever um but the reason I wanted to make this is that I think there's a huge taboo about that and there's a huge stigma that if you try it and then you leave it yeah like you say that's because you're a failure but it's so much more complicated than that and like yeah. I said it can be like that moment you described where you in the in the interview 
that's a, to me a, a unbelievably brave you know and you held your bottle so much in that moment and I think in order to to do that to kind of somehow find a way out of uh, a career like this in acting into something else is going to demand that of people so in no way are those people failures like they're yeah. it's kind of in a way it's kind of triumphant that you could manage to do that I think well I, th- I think that it's yeah I mean I, 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 I hope so I feel like you know the easy way of looking at it is that it's you stop doing one thing and go oh I, I failed I, I, I'm going to do something else and actually I just think it's a continuum you know I don't see my career as like going down one path and then going oh, you know that's a that's not the right one for me and then like either coming back or jumping over and trying a different one it just feels it feels completely a continuum and I think that it feels like that because I've been I've been able to use the skills that I picked up at Brenton Hall and you know in those first few years of, of acting and, and even the sort of technical skills and the persistence and the the being different things in different rooms at different times and the people skills that you get as an actor um, and they're just as absolutely as applicable um, now in in my life as a CEO as, as they were you know however many years ago now when I, when I was acting they're just the same things you know um, there's a whole bunch of other things as well but you just learn those as you go along you know so um, it's it's that and it feels like um, uh, I feel like actors do themselves I feel like actors do themselves a disservice if they don't recognize that because that's super valuable you know I feel like the kinds of job that I do and the kinds of people who, the kinds of roles that we have in this kind of organization or that I see elsewhere they're just crying out for people with some of the emotional intelligence some of the um, confidence but the ability to question their own confidence the sort of self-awareness the, the teamwork um, that you get as be, from being an actor, the, the reliance on other people's views, the ability to take criticism and use it creatively. These are all skills that are 100% in demand in your average working environment. Um, and if you can just attach some general like office competencies like the ability to use email or excel or whatever else you know to to them like you become a really compelling candidate quite quickly um and i think the thing i've learned is that you can be every bit as creative in and not just when you're a ceo but in in comms roles or in other roles you can be every bit as creative in in those environments as you might have been as an actor um, because what you're doing every day is you're making stuff. You know, if, okay, meetings are, uh, are you know not the most interesting, often not the most interesting thing. But actually, what you're doing with a meeting is you're pulling a team together. You're trying to co-create something, make something work, make it not fail, make it interesting or attractive or accessible or whatever. And when you boil it down to those kind of core skills. That is the same as making a play, as far as I can see. You know, they're just the same things, um, and so I think that those skills are undervalued 
get from the acting community um, and that that's why it's a continuum from my perspective that's why it's not stopping one thing and doing something else it's about seeing seeing a set of skills through from from one end to another and I think that's in a way will be really comforting for lots of actors even if you're in the middle of your acting career and you have no intention of of leaving it you're like no you know as I said for all the bullshit like I love this and I'm gonna yeah. stick at it yeah um but there's there can be so much anxiety around it that even just to hear somebody like you in your position say something like that it could at least give you the kind of comfort of like well if I if I really have to like there is stuff for me out there yeah so I don't need to freak out like I am down I'm down a hole and there's no way out you know that's <laughs> a horribly negative thing. but you know like I'm not up if my acting career doesn't work I'm not up shit creek without a paddle there's loads of there's loads of options for me as you describe it the thing the thing I'd say is you have to recognize like that what you're doing day in day out has value to your ongoing career so whether if you know if you're trying really hard to get an agent we were talking about that earlier that's persistence that's that's persuasiveness those are influencing skills basically you know how do you how do you influence somebody who doesn't need to talk to you to talk to you those are influencing skills if you um uh i'm struggling to think of ideas now but like if you you know if you're temping in between jobs well you're picking up office skills you're picking up office smarts we talk a lot about what are the office smarts that you can you know how do you work with teammates how do you yeah how do you use those kind of office it sort of skills well that's that's fine that's a different way of doing it you know there's you you're just picking up stuff all the way all the way through and the i think the thing that you that is therefore then just missing or the thing you got to you got to make make work is the bit where you you can convince somebody that those broad skills are applicable to that specific job and that's just about selling it which is yeah big big one yeah big one for an actor yeah um how did you how long did it take between getting first starting to work here and becoming ceo um i was in comms for about three years um so i was i was super i was super lucky in that michael jackson died on my first day in comms in for for a for a for an organization that works in medicines and he was he died by the the administration of um an anesthetic a home administration of an anesthetic and so <clears throat> i remember coming in for my first day i remember waking up on my first day and turning on the telly and go and it was like michael jackson's died and i was just like Oh, I should really get to work really quickly, <laughs> and and um, and so uh, by by one o'clock in the afternoon, I had somebody, one of our members on Sky News, talking about why Michael Jackson had died and how it right, happened, yeah, and Jesus. why you shouldn't administer an anaesthetic at home, you know. Yeah. Um, and um, and it kind of went from there, you know. Did did a lot of sort of press work and web redevelopment and bits and bobs and. Um, and then my boss, the CEO, um, uh, got a different job and moved on after about two and a half years. And I went for the job um, through a interview process and, and got it then. So right. yeah, so so I think I've been here about ten years. So three years in comms and seven as CEO. That's a pretty quick leap, right? That yeah, that shows that you're obviously highly rated and seen as very good at your job and were a 
a le- leadership type character in in this building yeah i think there's well it's, i i i look back and i don't i think so i don't want to keep talking about luck all the time but i just think that there was timing on that i, f- I feel like the the i feel like the organization needed stability it didn't need massive amounts of change and so recruiting from inside was probably a good thing um i hope that i was able to demonstrate the kind of leadership that they needed i guess so um it's a bit um it must i guess it must be that i don't know i i i, I get i don't i don't know how to analyze it if i'm honest too damn modest <laughs> no um, it's not that i got a massive show off but i just i just don't know i i i honestly don't know like i could sit here and say i sat there where you are at my interview and i remember talking about what i wanted to do and somebody saying how will you motivate the team and i literally didn't know how to answer the question i didn't know how to motivate i didn't i, I didn't know how to talk about how you'd motivate a team I felt really strongly like I'd know how to motivate a team, but when I was answering the question, I was just like, uh, uh, um, you know, try and give them, you know, work. Beer. <laughs> <laughs> Is it beer? Is it just beer? You know, like that. It's Sorry. working for me. Yeah. <laughs> um, I'm just curious. I think a thing that a lot of people would be very curious about um, if they're actors and uh, or indeed if they're not actors is that you've been on two sides of you know there's not many people who've been on two sides of that kind of divide you know yeah. actors call non-actors moguls you know <laughs> oh, <is that> right? <laughs> so, like, oh my god that's a new thing <laughs> so you you've been a, a muggle and whatever the hell an actor is an yeah. actor um do you feel what does it feel like to have that kind of stability in your life not knowing what it was like before you know do you still do you have more kids you've twins yeah um, i had i had one more i had martha as, right. as, as a third and final right uh, so you have three kids yeah. uh and and your wife um and you've got you know your very stable job and everything um i mean do you ever have times or moments where you're like oh, i'd be cool to be an actor you know or or do you what is the feeling no i literally never have that right i literally never have it and i and it's not me saying i'm not saying like I did. I, mean, I loved it when I did it, and I admire people who do it. Um, we've just become members of the RSC, and I've been to a few plays recently. It's sort of now not too not too far from my house to go to Stratford, and I just have nothing but complete kind of love and admiration and respect and joy when I go to um, to the theatre. But um, no, I just <laughs> I just literally don't look back. It's like I. I'm I'm very lucky in that what I what I do day in day out is very cha- it's sort of it's very challenging it's very different you know we're an organisation that is very dynamic and it it is growing and developing and changing all all the time and um and so I don't feel like if I was I don't feel like I'm missing something that that acting gave me um and I and you know, to, to the point that my wife kind of says, you know, I won't, you know, when you're retired, you can like go back out and do some more adverts or, or like go and do Amdram. I'm just like, no, I'm done. I'm like, I'm done. Yeah. Um, and it's hard. Like I, I, I say that and I feel like I know who your audience might be. And I don't want it to sound like it's a, um, a commentary on anyone else's 
job or anyone else's choices it's not that it's just that um i think being a muggle to use your that all that terminology you kind of realize that actually there's it it is kind of through the looking glass or i'm mixing i'm mixing up my literary references but it's kind of you know and there but but there is a life there there's a life and it's different um and in many ways it's more conventional you know in many ways yeah you know it's a nine to five and uh, and so on but i but i travel with work and i see things you know um uh from all over the world and i i meet really interesting people and also like i wouldn't have so i i've never i was i was never any good at maths never any good at science yeah. and so now i'm surrounded by status status i can never say this statisticians I'm surrounded by statisticians and by pharmacologists and by clinical pharmacologists and by scientists and um they're all um, it's like a world that i never uh knew existed or knew i could be a part of and that's really amazing it's really lovely how's the vibe different <laughs> with scientists i tell you what like <laughs> there's so much bitchier than actors <laughs> I remember saying that um, in one of like in the first year that I was here, I was like, I can't believe how much they just bitch. <laughs> and and um, that's, that's kind of that's. I mean, it's, it's like they. It's very competitive. It's very personal and very competitive. Right. Um, it's like he got that. Yeah, they got they got like a grant. They got that grant. I can't believe that. And, <laughs> no, I mean, it's um. There is. There's definitely. It's really. What's lovely is it's, it's a real community. Like they it's genuinely a community of people who are trying to make cool stuff happen you know whether uh, uh, whether it's and, and, in, and in 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 my end of the business it's because when they make cool stuff happen it's it's it results in new medicines and all the safe prescription of new medicines or the safe delivery of those medicines and so it's 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 impacting on people's lives um so it is a really interesting cool impactful community of people um and it's been a real privilege to be sort of to be a, to be able to lift myself out of one world and place myself into a different world and just kind of walk around in it you know um so now i go to scientific symposia and i'm just like i'm completely baffled by <laughs> utterly baffled by it do you want me to leave this in <laughs> <laughs> yeah <laughs> yeah no I think, I think i think you could i think they know i think they know that i'm not a scientist your you jaw's know. on the floor anyway yeah like... who is this guy <laughs> um and i feel somebody might listen to this uh, i feel we should probably work towards wrapping up but yeah. somebody listening sh- might be like donal what the hell do the british pharmacological society do and you know or you know they might be like i'm not totally clear about that yet could you just describe what exactly you guys do yeah so we are a learned a learned society so that is a traditionally a society of um in our case scientists who have formed in order to advance and promote a particular scientific discipline so in our case what that is it's a group it's a community of people who have set themselves up in a in a society to promote and advance pharmacology and clinical pharmacology um, as a scientific and academic and clinical discipline and they become charities because ultimately they sort of people start people form these these groups uh loosely and then they start publishing and then the publishing material becomes valuable and they get publishing contracts so they have money and then they have to work out what they do with that money so they become a charity 
Um, and so what we do with that now, so our, our income is largely derived from scientific publishing, for say from scientific journals, and we um, we take that income and income from elsewhere as well, and we create, uh, I suppose, products that that support pharmacology. So we we have a big policy um, unit that that works to um, advocate for pharmacology as a sort of key life science discipline. Um, we have education um, and engagement and outreach activities. We build curricula. We make edu educational resources. We hold uh, scientific meetings and congresses and, and really massively discount um, attendance at those so that people can, can come along and, and learn. Um, and that's kind of, that's what we do. That's, that's a pretty standard learned society activity, but it's, it's, it's lovely. It's a kind of a, as I say, it's a community of people who believe that the subject that they have studied will have a real impact on people. So it's not dissimilar to actors. Yeah. Um, and can you give an example of, uh, I don't know, like a, a specific case that kind of you, you worked with or, you know, that you kind of look back on in your time here and go, that was, uh, you know, I'm really glad we worked with that or a particular paper or anything like that. Um, let me think. There are people who are members or ex-members who've won Nobel Prizes who've developed beta blockers or worked out how aspirin works, why aspirin works. We've been right. chewing on bark, willow bark for, you know, centuries. And it was a pharmacologist who said, oh, the reason that willow bark works is, right. or the reason that aspirin works is this. Yeah. Um, um, and there are people like, there's a, uh, a guy called David Jack who invented um, salbutamol, um, which is the, so if you're an asthmatic, you know, you take Ventolin inhalers and salbutamol is the, is the drug that's kind of cured your, your, or not cured, but it sort of helps you control your asthma. Yeah. Um, so those are all things that, that the, our members over the years have done, um, and that I have done nothing towards. But um, the organization is so the organization has then sort supporting. of supported them through, yeah. through that i think um it's hard to kind of find an example of something where we've done a thing you know like we what i what is more obvious from our perspective is that we we now get very involved in in um policy and advocacy around uh supporting drug discovery in the uk um and particularly around i guess recently around brexit and no deal Brexit and the concerns around supply of medicines. You know, if we fall out of the Euro out of um, the EU on the thirty first of October, you know, does the government have its um, uh, its ducks in a row in terms of you know the supply of medicines? Um, that's something we, we we're working um, on and providing policy advice into. But you know, it's a step away perhaps from from showing real um, a product if you like that's really really impactful. No, but I mean. I, I understand you know that's that's the role that you guys are providing yeah. you're you're there to kind Under, of help. underpinning yeah I exactly guess. help yeah. hold things up and yeah. keep it going people need that don't they yeah they do and actually in terms of in terms of acting I think it's probably we need more of that you know I think obviously there's equity uh which is great but I think you know it's kind of struggling against the tide of modernity you know less people involved in unions and so on and then outside of that there's not that many that's a really um, good point you know but there's the garrett club right 
<laughs> like if you is that not a thing maybe I, they, they I didn't invite you, me <laughs> I, think, I, think you've got, I think you've got enough money you can go you can get like right. a membership at garrick club yeah or, or there's like soho house you know similarly yeah, if you've yeah, got enough yeah. money yeah. if that's still, i guess that's still there i don't know yeah it was there when i was when i was acting but you know you're right there isn't um an actors as far as i'm aware there isn't an actors society there's there is equity but there isn't that kind of genuine community of people coming together it's, it's more way. informal isn't it yeah but it can be i suppose the thing with actors is it can feel a little bit like if you're if you're like working on something and things are going well then you're kind of part of the club but if you're not it suddenly can feel quite cold quite yeah. quickly you know or you're a bit out of the loop and yeah for that for people in that situation it's it can be a bit i don't know tough yeah so maybe i don't know i'm hoping maybe this can be like kind of part of that so, yeah. <laughs> well it's a good, it's a good I, I mean it's a it's a it's such a great idea i think and um uh i i kind of wish it's interesting i think i think here's here's me sounding like super old it's it's interesting to think that kind of technology c- might give you the kind of or might be able to help you create that community. I was talking about PCR earlier, and the fact that it just arrived on the on the doormat, and that was like that was your link to the jobs that were available that week. And and of course it doesn't exist anymore. I never thought of that, but of course it doesn't. You know, of course everyone has like you know whatever. What spotlight now? Yeah. But I'm pretty sure I'm right in saying like you'd never see really like lead roles in like top stuff. Like an actor can't see that. Right. Only agents get to see that. Yeah. So you get to see smaller stuff. So yeah. it's interesting that PCR had it all there. There was yeah. a certain kind of equality to that in a way. Even well, if you were. What happened get... to it now? I've, I kind of assumed it had become like PCR online. But, uh... Hopefully, I'm not editing it a bit where I'm like, <laughs> PCR still exists. Yeah. <laughs> you know, it's actually yeah. published weekly. <laughs> You'll go home tonight Deepest and go, apologies. oh my God, there's loads of jobs on PCR.com, you know. Yeah, we'll see. Yeah. Um, okay, uh, uh, we'll, let's. Uh, is there anything else that I haven't that I haven't asked you about? Or anything you no, feel God, like I mean, any I've, stones I feel unturned? Like I've spoken for. I've literally spoken for for about an hour and a half. So I feel like. I've, is it is it that long? It feels like that long. I'm not sure. I've it, lost it looks, it looks like that long. Maybe it's about just saying, from my perspective, that for people who are doing what you do now, um, I think it's just brilliant it's just a brilliant thing and you've got to do it for as long as you want to do it and the kind of bravery and the commitment and the love that you have to to show to 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 demonstrate to kind of um or to to have to to make that happen is is clear and and um but i'd also say that if you flipped if you did something else it's not failure there's a life out here, you know, it's interesting, it's very, very different. It's not the same thing at all. But all the skills that you've built over time are really valuable. They're so, so, so valuable to employers like me. Um, and um, kind of don't be, don't jump until you're ready, but if you're ready, then then do it and don't be afraid because it's very cool out here. <laughs> So that was the first episode of the podcast with John O'Brien. I said I would give a little update on Jono's career at the end of this. Since we did the interview, he has gotten a new job, another difficult to pronounce one. He is the CEO of the Royal College of Anesthetists. That's my best attempt. Um, and 
if people are interested, I think I might try and check back in with Jono, uh, have a little brief kind of bonus episode, given obviously somebody in his industry, this is a pretty tumultuous year, so it might be interesting to hear about that and see how he's getting on. If you enjoyed listening to the episode and you think the podcast is a worthwhile venture, I would really appreciate any contribution you see fit to give. On Patreon, you can find the page at patreon.com forward slash paths podcast also if you're listening to this and you thought of somebody that you know or you yourself have a story to tell that involves a dramatic change of course at some point in your life i'd love to hear it please get in touch at paths podcast people at gmail.com paths podcast people at gmail.com okay thanks a lot see you next time Thank you.